Hebrews chapter 4, beginning to read it at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed under the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the sense of your presence in this house. Thank you that you have placed it in every heart to come to this building, to this place this morning. That even that is not of ourselves, but it is of the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that everything, everything is of you. And that everything is under your charge. And everything is under your control. We leave our lives in your merciful hands. And Father, we leave our very thoughts that distract us. And we leave behind us those things that would hinder us. To open our hearts to the word of God that your spirit would minister that word into our hearts this morning, that we would see, hear, know, realize, and understand, take in that precious thing which you would show us, tell us, reveal to us the precious things of Jesus. We ask it all, giving you thanks in his name for his glory. Amen. Old covenant sympathy, a new covenant empathy, or Old Testament sympathy, a new Old Testament sympathy, a New Testament empathy. You know, a lot of people tend to read the Old and the New Testament and they think there's two different gods there. The God of Israel is one God. He's one God. And In the Old Testament, let me make this plain and sure and straight. When we say the Old Covenant or the Old Testament sympathy, sympathy is more than you and I really know sympathy to be. Our family knows, many families know what sympathy is like when we receive sympathy cards and people's heart are toward you, for you, and people think about you. And it's lovely, it's good, it strengthens you, it helps you. But when God's sympathy, how do we measure that? How do we explain how God feels about you? Amazing this morning how in the ministry of the interpretation through the Spirit that the word was how much you're loved. And how also the very word that caught me was this, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. I'll explain in a moment, time and God willing. We tend to have a thing, a thing that God is a God with a, a huge stick 
a battering ram. Now I know God is a God, a God who shows love. And God is love. It's an attribute of God. But love is not all that God is. And I know he's a God of wrath on those who do not know him. But I'm speaking this morning to the Christian believer. And God is not, God is not a God with a big stick with you this morning. And let's put that to bed right away. God loves you. God loves you. Times he may chastise you to draw you back into the way, to wake you up, as it were. And things may come your way that draws back into the way, but he loves you. Those outside of Christ were told the wrath of God abideth on them. God's wrath abides on them who do not trust solely in Christ for salvation. But those who are in Christ, God is not, God's wrath is not upon you. He loves you. And when we look at the old covenant sympathy, it's not that I'm saying God of the old covenant isn't as loving as God of the new covenant, because he's the same God. And it's from before the foundation of the world that God had planned and purposed and decreed and counseled within himself that his son would die for you. So that love is before the foundation of the world. That same love is from before the foundation of the world. But when I speak of old covenant sympathy and new covenant empathy, I mean it like this. Sympathy is to feel for someone, to come alongside, to even try to encourage someone, to help someone. But empathy is something different. It's to walk in someone's shoes, to walk a road that someone else has walked and a path where someone else has trod and to feel their pain and know. And more than know, to understand. And in the new covenant, God understands you. God understands everything. God under knows everything, but God understands you. You know why? Because God became flesh. And he understands me. He understands you being human. He has walked as a human. He has ministered as a human. He has felt as a human. And so he understands the trials and the hurt and the temptations and the mourning. He understands all of that. He understands what it's like for a heart to be hurt, to be broken. As a human being, because Jesus Christ in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, how is the new covenant in empathy? God looked to empathize with you this morning from before the foundation of the world when a son would bleed and die, when a son would live a life that we couldn't live and keep the law that we could not keep. And feel the pain that you feel in your body. And feel the infirmities and the weaknesses and the trials. And yes, the temptations that even the devil brings our ways. But yet he was without sin. He never gave in once. He never failed once. Where you and I fail all the time. He felt it all. 
touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses. There's no points tempted like as you are, as we are. He's yet without sin. He never failed. He never sinned. But he knows everything about you. Verse 14 says this. Seeing then. Now if you look at that. Our eyes are drawn somewhere. Our heart is called to a place. Our thoughts that have been scattered. Our our hearts that have been dulled. Spirits dampened. uh, Through pain or, or, or even waywardness of our own heart. Suddenly a cry comes out to you this morning. Seeing them. Seeing what? Seeing who? Seeing where? Seeing them is the cry. And let this this morning, I'm going to take my time over, well it's one, two, three, four, five weeks. And as I sat in my study, with all that's happened in the last year, I had a lot of questions to ask. A lot of heart searching to do. I shed a lot of tears. I felt distraught at times. I felt I was in a hole. And I couldn't minister anymore. I can't do this anymore. That I could get up here and minister to try and encourage others on when I felt so low. And the Lord winged us to me. Seeing then, son. Seeing then. Seeing what, Lord? I can see nothing at this time. I can see no further than the next second. Seeing what? Seeing then that we have, present tense, not will have, today, this morning, in your seat, wherever you are, at that moment, place, point in time. He says, take a look, take a deep breath, settle your heart. He says, and look at him. Look at him. Saying then that we have a great high priest. He, he's not just a high priest, he's a great high priest. Uh, the word mezion is from the word magos, where you get the word maga. As in something mighty and big and massive and glorious. He is mega. He says, son, you listen. Seeing then, you have a great high priest. I started thinking about my high priest. Thinking of Peter, Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, Jesus said to him. Behold, Luke the word there I've told you before gives the idea of a shock, of an awe to catch your attention, to draw you in. Look this way. In other words, Simon, Simon, behold, now look at me. That's the way he goes. Behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. 
that thy faith fail not, and when, not if, when thou art converted, or when you've come through your trial, when you've come through your testing, when you've come through your trouble, the idea is, I am your great high priest, praying for you, and you're coming through. Brother, you're going to come through. Sister, you're going to come through. But I'm feeling weak, you're coming through. I'm feeling down, you're coming through. I'm in a valley, you're passing through the valley. When thou art converted, when thou hast come through it, he says, you'll pray for your brethren. Go minister to them. Go minister to them. In other words, empathize. You've walked in their moccasins, as we say. You've walked in their shoes. Empathize. Years ago, I wasn't too long saved, and a woman came to me. She had heard my testimony somewhere from a life of drinking drugs. And she says to me, do you come and speak to my son? I says, what for? Because I'm a pretty young Christian here. And what for? Well, if you go and speak to him, you maybe understand better because he's always on drinking drugs. I said, okay. Remember going up into the house and he was in his bedroom. He was about 19, 20 around that age. And I went into his room, sat talking to him. I says, and this is the way you feel. And see right now, this is how you're thinking. And this is the struggle you're having. This is the problem you're facing. And here's the hole you're stuck in. And as I started giving these out, he turned to me and he says, how do you know how I'm feeling? Nobody knows how I'm feeling. Nobody. I said, I do. Because I've been where you are. In the pit. In the Mary Clay. But he pulled me out. He set my feet upon a rock. And he's established my goings. Put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. I said, many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. I said, that's what I'm telling you now. It's a testimony to come and see what God can do. It's a testimony to say, I know how you feel. I know about you. Your mother's told me. I know that you're taking those things. Your mother said... But she asked me to come because I understand. Because I've walked in your moccasins. (coughs) Empathy. When God and his great heart of love took on a veil of flesh and he came from um, his mother's womb born as a little baby like you and I in the likeness of sinful flesh, the likeness, not in sinful flesh, in the likeness. And when he was birthed from the birth canal, 
He came into your world and he came into my world and he lived in your world and he lives in my world and he died for your world and he died for mine in order that when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and now praying at at the right hand of God for you and I, he would not only know me as God, he would understand me as a man. He's a man in the glory. He's a man in the glory. And he's praying for you. That your faith fail not. And when thou art converted. Or when you've come through. You'll empathize and strengthen your brethren. God is refining his people. God is building his church. And that's what God is doing with every blood-washed, blood-bought believer this morning. Sometimes it's in ways we don't experience in sorrow or hurt or pain or anguish and sometimes it's in the nicer ways. But nevertheless, God is burning the dross that you can go and minister to others. Seeing them Keeping your eyes on this great high priest. Seeing then. Look at verse 16 says. Let us therefore come. Remember the message this morning? Come, 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 come. Let us therefore come. Come to me. Let us therefore come boldly. To the throne of grace. You can see the tender, the gentle, the loving, compassionate caring, loving, forgiving, beautiful heart of God. You can see the will of God for your life that he wants you more than you want him. I'm going to say it again, brother, sister. For those who are feeling worthless or useless, unwanted, for those who think they're not up to much, For those who feel they can't go into the place of prayer, for who am I to go? I can't come before the throne of grace. Sure, I haven't prayed in two or three days. More reason to go. For those who think, I have strayed, I have wandered, I have sinned, I have failed, I have let the Lord down. For those who have all of these things, God wants you to come to him more than you want to go. I'm going to say it to you again. I want you to listen. God wants you to come to him more than you want to go. Struggle with the flesh to be in his presence. And all the time he's saying, come, come to me. Come to me. I'd rather nurse this hurt. I'd rather nurse this offense. I'd rather nurse my sin because I've been sorry in it. I'd rather nurse my waywardness or I'd rather nurse my feelings. The Lord says, no, come. You know, when you come to the, the throne of grace, it can either be quietly in your heart, it'll be a quiet time at home. It could be 
in a place like this, as we start to sing and to praise and to worship the Lord, you know what you're doing? You're coming to the throne of grace. And can I ask you, brother, sister, this morning, answer in your own heart with all honesty, when we were worshiping him, when we came to the throne of grace, did you go too? Did you come? Did you come before him and say, Lord, I'm here to worship? I'm not here about me, Lord, I'm here about you. It's not about me, it's about you, Lord. Did you come and pray? Did you come and praise? Let us therefore come boldly. People may think little of this or maybe not at all of it, but it's a declaration of an invitation without stipulation. I'll say it again. It's a declaration of an invitation without stipulation. You know, a declaration is an announcement or a formal statement. And the writer here, uh, the inspired writer, gives you an invitation this morning. It's like you get an invitation to a wedding or an invitation to a party or an invitation to some function or an invitation to some event and it's written or spoken. We're going to have, here is the declaration, a wedding, will you come? That's the declaration. When it's given to you, it becomes the invitation. And it's without stipulation. You know what it means when it's without stipulation? It gives the idea that it's without conditions or without demand. The writer here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, Seeing therefore we have a great high priest, Seeing that's who's praying for you in, in the heavens. You see, let me give you a, a, a point here before we go further. When the high priest in the tabernacle in the center of Israel walked in behind that last veil, the holy place, he alone could go once a year with the blood. And he bore the breastplate of judgment with the 12 stones and the 12 names inscribed on of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he prayed for their sins as though they were his own. And let me say it again. He went in and and he prayed for their sins as though they were his own sins. And the glory came down. And the blood had been shed. And God accepted the blood. And there was the mercy seat. And they found mercy. And he came out in grace. He prayed for their sins as though their sins were his own. He ministered. Before God as though their weaknesses and their infirmities were his own weaknesses and infirmities once a year. But now, as the Lord gives his spirit freely to every man and woman who come to faith in Christ, we are become a kingdom of priests and an holy nation before God. The more of us that are ushered into his glory. And you can come. Anytime. But Jesus passed through the heavens. Let's read verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Notice what he's saying here. Jesus passed through. It wasn't a different ghostly spirit dimension Jesus went into. He was risen bodily. He still has the the, the nail-scarred wounds in his hands and in his feet. 
He still has the, the riven side that, that pierced him. He still has the, the marks from the crown of thorns that was driven into his lovely brow. And he stands before the Father. He went right through the word that passed through the heavens is he left earth and went right through the stellar space into glory. And now the high priest doesn't just go once a year to pray for Israel's sins as though they were his own. Our great high priest goes in and stays there from he left planet earth. He stands before God and he prays for you as though your infirmities, your weaknesses and your sins which have been paid for. He shows his wounds as it were, whether it's metaphorically or not, there for me the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands, said John Wesley. He stands there for you and he says, Father, I am praying for Ken Davidson today. And it's a prayer of eternity. Do you know when that will stop? When he returns and changes us to be like himself. And he'll sit on his throne as a king priest. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, he went into the heavens to pray for you. Look what it says. Who he is, Jesus, the Son of God, let us. Let us hold fast our profession. I'm thinking of walking away. I'm tempted with a drink. (laughs) Temptation may come, brother, sister. Temptation goes too. And if you're a believer with an earthly heart or you're a professing believer with an earthly heart, I wonder if you have an earthly heart, have you any heavenly hope at all? My hope is in heaven. That is, my hope is where Jesus is. For it is heaven there. Hold fast this morning, brother. I feel like this. You're not saved in your feelings. You're saved by your faith. Hold fast this morning, sister. Hold fast to your profession. I feel like my heart's never going to recover. I went wayward and backward of backslidden heart. Hold fast. Trust God. Get up and move in his name. Get back into fellowship, into place of prayer, for he says to you, come. I want you to come. Margaret, would you come to me? Nicola, would you come to me? Come and let me bless you. Come and obtain mercy. Find grace. Would you come? Ruth, would you come? Stephen, would you come? Richard, would you come? Come. He sent each and every one of you. Would you come to me? Elizabeth, would you come? I've 
called so long, but would you come? Come in our weakness and all that we are. There's so much. This is just an introductory to where we want to go. Look, I've nine pages and I've just got past the first four lines. Sitting, suppose if you want, feeling sorry for myself. You keep trying to get your, give yourself a, a, a mental boost, a spiritual slap, you know, whatever you want. Get up and move, boy. And there's other things, other things were going on in the background, just, you know. I said, Lord, I can't. I have nothing to give anybody anymore. I'm, I'm just tired. It's been a tough year, you know, feeling sorry for myself. I felt the Lord saying to me, I went into my study and I sat down to, to write. I couldn't write many times. I sat down to pray. And I says, Lord, and my mouth opened, nothing would come out. Oh, Lord. Oh. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. That's when empathy came. As though he sits beside you and he says, I know how you're feeling. I know how you're feeling, son. I know what you're going through. That's why I became flesh. That not only that I would know you, but that I would understand you. See, when you're sitting and your spirit rolls into a ball inside... See, when you're walking somewhere and you can't remember the last mile that you've walked. And you suddenly realize you're in another town driving when you're meant to be somewhere else. Your mind is consumed with your trouble, with your problem and with your hurt or even with your pain. You're lying in a hospital bed. Hear him say, you're not on your own. Lo, I am with you always. Even until the end of the age. I know. I understand. The invitation has come. The Lord's will, we will start there next week. There's no conditions on your invitation. Let me finish in saying this. The Lord isn't saying to you this morning, come to me, clean up your life, and come to me. He doesn't say, come to me, but before you do, I want you to be the most perfect person you could ever be. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. See if you're looking for perfection. Well, don't be looking up here for one. (laughs) If you're looking for perfection, seeing them, we have a great high priest.
He wants you to come as you are. But when he invites you to come, he means come. How many of us say, I'm going to church on Sunday morning. It's not a condemnation. It's something to try and encourage you. How many of us say, I'm going to church on Sunday morning. And you go to church. But the Lord says, I want you to come to me. Going to church is not coming to the throne of grace. When you go to church and we praise or pray and you're entering in, then you're coming to the throne of grace. Then. And what do you get? You obtain mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. I'll say it again. Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. What did I deserve? I'm not a bad lad. Well, all of us are sinners. We all deserve to be lost forever. But mercy finds you. And you don't get what you deserve. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. And even in the times of our trouble, and even in the times of our waywardness and our backslidden hearts, and we set up our families or our children or our jobs or whatever as idols, putting them before God, even when we do that, we come to the throne of grace, say, Lord, I want you first in my life. I'm sorry for all the things I've done and the waywardness of my heart. Mercy is there for you. You obtain it. You obtain it. It means you lay hold on it and say, Lord, I'm claiming mercy. That I do not get that which I do deserve. That I do not get cast away or turned away. That I do not get that which I deserve. But you find grace. What does it mean when you find grace? If mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve, grace is when we do get that which we do not deserve. Unmerited favor. And when you find grace, it's not your own looking for it, but when you come to the throne of grace, you lay hold on God's merciful heart. And he gives you grace from his gracious heart. In other words, you realize, can I use the term, just for want to try and give you a picture, something, the light bulb comes on. Know that you turn the light on, ah, get it now. God would never accept me now. God would turn me away. God would cast me away. God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, I just feel like I'm so small and I feel so useless and helpless and worthless and all those things and I feel bereft of of God's spirit. And we, we can all get there. Those of us who know the Lord can get there. That's what I mean. Those of us who truly know what it's like to taste of the Lord. There are those who say, I've tasted of the Lord and they know nothing about his spirit. 
And when he's gone, that is in the sense of us and our feelings. He never leaves us. We find grace. In other words, the light bulb comes on to tell us, oh, do you know your God at all? He always loves you. And he says to you now, without stipulation, without condition or any demands, he just says to you, come to me. Come boldly to my throne of grace. God bless you. Will we come boldly before we go home? Let's praise and worship him. Come boldly and say, the word boldly, by the way, is not a reverence. We'll look at that in another day. It means with confidence and assurance that you know you can. That you know you can. Ah, grace. I can still go on with God. Oh, grace, I'm forgiven. Oh, grace, there's mercy for me. Oh, grace. Gary, would you lead us, please, in the team? Thank you for your attention. <clears throat> it's good to be back.